Welcome to the George Lynch Hunting Podcast, brought to you by Legendary Gear, the game called company that is legend by design. You can check them out at legendarygearusa.com. That's legendarygearusa.com. I'm your host, George Lynch, of this podcast, as well as the designer and tuner of all Legendary Gear calls. If it isn't good enough for my lanyard, it definitely isn't good enough for you. Well, this folk, uh, folks, uh, this week we're going to we're going to be doing the, the uh, next episode of the podcast talking about shotguns and shotgun shells uh, for Canada geese and ducks. Last week, we kind of covered the early dove. And we talked about um, teal season and everything else. And um, so we're going to kind of elaborate. We're going to uh, pick up from there and kind of talk about what I do and what's important to me and my uh, duck gun and then my goose gun. So I know last week we talked about uh, different shotguns. We talked between over and unders pumps and automatics. And basically to me, it's whatever trips your trigger and floats your boat and all that other kind of stuff that uh, milks your weed. I would say uh, go with it. They're all good, whatever fits you, you know. I could shoot uh, and hunt and be very well with any one of the styles. I know in the last few years I've been really, I use more of a semi-automatic just because of the sponsors I've been with and, and promoting. And and once you get there, you kind of get a little lazy, get used to that. And But also always remember when using an automatic shotgun, and I should have, I didn't elaborate on this in the first podcast talking about doves and, and teal, but really important, the later in the season you go, especially when we're laying out in the fields, and I really used to see this a lot when we snow goose hunted, but, um, you know, you're laying out there, the wind, it's it's constantly bringing the grit and dirt into your gun. It's, um, to me, it, there's no excuse for laziness. It's always, a, it's a little bit of discipline. I will say that my father, you know, he was the... the military police type of individual and all our guns we were taught from an early age and and i didn't have the best guns but even my old late 70 it was always cleaned after every hunt or if we shot them if we shot trap and you know whatever we always kept that gun wiped we didn't let moisture build up on it we didn't set them in a closet and let the dust build up and the rust build in you know we were always taught that this is a fine machine and you got to always keep it oiled and keep it clean so always remember that as you're going through the season. You know, my time's valuable. Your time's valuable. We, we, we spend money on decoys. We spend money on, the, on the, you know, we're looking at guns today go anywhere from $1,200 to $2,000 for a good waterfowl gun. So they're not cheap. The ammunition's not cheap anymore. And since uh, I think administrations that we get in there, you'll see that the price of ammo is going sky high. And we just have to live with it so far. And and I know last year it, it was a pain just trying to find ammo. But anyway, getting off, I'm getting off the subject here. But what I'm trying to say is we spend all this money between gear, decoys, calls, and uh, there's no excuse that, uh, you know, it's nice and we can bring them in, but we cannot finish the job if our gun isn't firing. So that's the very critical. you got to hit them and you got to put them down. So always keeping that gun clean, check it out, make sure that uh, not le- And another thing, guys, don't let them get wet and put them in a gun case and leave them in that gun case because you'll definitely going to start taking a beautiful shotgun and pitting it up. And even the guys that think they have the dip camo on their guns, you still have the inside of the barrels and your action and everything else in there that isn't coated with or dipped with a, with a material that keeps that from penetrating. It's still an open metal that still can rust. So kind of think about inside of that gun that you always want to keep that clean you want to keep those rails you want to keep all that stuff 
free of debris and, and keep her lightly, and I say lightly oiled, um, never heavily oiled. And once in a while, it's a great idea to take that trigger, and it's the guns today that's usually so simple that it's usually a couple pins and or one pin, and depending on the gun, you can remove the trigger housing. Wipe that and clean that away, and if you do spray any type of uh, uh, some type of uh, penetrating oil or something get in there and to clean make sure that you wipe that oil is uh, out and, and try to you know it, it, a slight skim of that uh skin of the oil laying on there it's not a problem but when you put heavy residue oil especially in the trigger housing and all that is is a dirt and in, in a collector that holds that stuff starts packing and filling up into that trigger and can really mess up where your trigger pin and the pin where it comes forward hitting that shell so again when you get to the trigger housing try to keep that you know you want to keep it clean lightly oiled so we're going to move on to that uh, i talked earlier in the first uh, uh the other episode talking about my practicing you know it's very important to shoot um and i'll tell you what it's very important to shoot the gun that i'm hunting with um you, know, you can sit there and practice and say you had your uh, a 28 gauge, 20 gauge, whatever you were hunting with with uh, in the dove and the teal season. Just remember that your pattern and the weight and the swing is all different. The balance of feeling, uh, how guns point and shoot through is going to be different if it comes goose. The goose season that you're going to step up and use your 12 gauge. You know, I would start shooting my 12 gauge. You want to be accompanied and be, be acquainted Um with the gun that I'm hunting with. And I kind of use the analogy of going back with that, of, uh, you know, talking about shooting bows, you know, if I'm, if I'm shooting a recurve, a traditional bow, guys who shot them out there, you know, you get used to one bow, it feels like an ex extension of your arm and, you know, your hand and eye is used to it. You develop that, you have that feel. Then all of a sudden you go to a to totally completely different bow. It might be a good shooting bow, but the hand position, the shelf might sit different. What I'm saying, you know, you're going to shoot a little higher. So it takes a little bit of shooting back at, to get that eye adjusted to the new, uh, your new recurve and then they shooting right on the spot because shooting recurve and shooting it's all instinctive to me with shotgun shooting that's why i chose the recurve over you know talking about compound so make sure that we're using the, the gun that we're gonna we're gonna hunt with on the geese very important but i will get to this and uh, talking about shot sizes and, and shot today guys almost every manufacturer has done an amazing job and uh improving steel shot there's bismuth out there there's uh, copper cover coated bismuth there's tungsten um all types of shot out there and i will tell you that i believe that the steel has come a long ways in, in the days of earlier but what i will tell you that talking about uh, an example of having a gun that fits at points and then a choke that uh, gives your patterning to the best patterning um Years ago, when I used to guide quite a bit there for ducks and geese in Michigan and a little bit all over Canada, and we've done some all over the country. But one of the things that uh, was shooting, I remember when Browning came out with their uh, Browning Gold, a new three and a half, twelve. That was one of the first guns that they had, and I friggin' loved that gun. And uh, I had a pattern master for that gun, and I was shooting Winchester dry locks. And um, the slower speed, I think they might have been 1,200, 1,300 feet a second. 
But I'm telling you what, that combination, and I would mainly, you know, back then was twos and BBs. Early season, I always liked to shoot the twos. We found that, uh, you know, the twos and BBs both gave good penetration uh, and and penetrating into the geese. And I was a little bit opposite, you know, what guys did in the late season. Guys would, back then we had the triple B, and, and actually there was F shot. And uh, I always called the F shot, they were F, F'd up. Uh, but uh, I really um, didn't like that big a heavy shot because they didn't pattern good, the weight, they just, they, it didn't shoot right. It, it didn't to me. It, it was a shot that then the guys that were using the guys that were wanting to shoot sky bust and try to reach out there, we were more about everything packing in tight. But we did find, and for you guys, just a good thing to keep note of, that in the late season when the, the geese get the more down and, and more fat established on the, the bird, it gets a little tougher. The skin gets tough and that cold uh, getting penetration. And I'll tell you, we found that one shot, two shot worked excellent in the late season. And it worked better penetrating with the smaller steel shot than what the larger shot did. So kind of keep that in the back of your computer brain, hair cover computer there that let you know that uh, it's about penetration. So I want to get on that. And, you know, here, like I said, we didn't have the high expensive non-toxic back then. I think bismuth was coming pretty soon. Bismuth didn't stay around because bismuth, even though it was a, a non-toxic load, I thought it was very brittle. It seemed to break up. It didn't uh, to me. That's why I think uh, you look at companies like Boss and stuff like that. I can't speak for them, but in my opinion, I think that's why they chose, you know, bismuth was a good to mushroom out and, and, and do damage in wound channel. But they used the copper plated to, I think, hold the shot together once it started penetrating so they wouldn't get the fragment that would spread out and then go through the wound channel and actually really not, it, you know, you want to create one solid good wound channel going through there. So that could be a good reason of that. But what I'm trying to get at, you know, shooting slower speed and I was shooting uh, regular steel, but I was shooting a good quality steel. But the thing that was important is the gun fit me. The choke was perfect. And, you know, when you limit your shots, and I was guiding, so, yeah, I shot some long-ass shots, man. I'm telling you, there are some shots that I have, I know were 90 yards back then. And, um, you know, it, it was devastating. And uh, heavy shot, I remember then we went from there, and heavy shot had a speed ball. And I think I shot three-inch ones on that in the late season on geese, and it was just, it was tore them up. It was great. It had the weight retention. It had, uh, you know, the smaller shot penetrated well. But again, it's about gun fit. It's all about uh, gun pattering. And then you go from there. Um, I try to limit my stuff in, you know, 50, 50 yards is to me has got to be anybody's max. If you want to be ethical, I, yeah, we can shoot stuff all day long or you can shoot stuff. It might hit a few birds out there and it's, there's nothing wrong on a crippled bird if you know he's crippled and you reach out there and say, hey, man, I'm going to go out there and see if I can knock him down. I understand that. You're, you're trying to finish a cripple. You want to put him down. Nobody wants him to fly in someone's yard or fly in a pond and lay there dead, floating, knowing that, uh, ah, look what the goose hunters did. They, you know, they're leaving them strangled. Or on top, I've seen it also when you're hunting close to suburbs. I've seen a few geese that uh, landed on rooftops. And not a good thing. Not a good sign. 
uh, not a good uh, showing of uh, our, our ethics of, of hunters. And a lot of people sometimes, and crap happens, we get that. It's just you understand the people outside who really don't like what we do, they, they don't understand and they're not forgiving. So it's, it's all about trying to keep uh, everything you can possibly of giving the black eye. And, and shit, like I said, is going to happen and you're not going to be able to stop it. But uh, trying to control the most we can and being the ethical is our responsibility of, of being an ethical hunter and what we owe out there and, and teaching the young kids coming up today. So whatever you get out there, like I said, knowing what you're going for. To me, like again, I mentioned earlier in the dove and, and the teal hunting, if you're a guy that's only going to go once or twice or two or three times out of the year, man, I'm telling you, Boss, Apex, all these guys, they got great um, – uh, non-toxic loads that uh, and with the, what they're using today i know boss has a great load i haven't had too much yet to experience with apex uh, we might try them a little bit this year but i know with boss they got a a, a mixed load a duplex load where they got smaller shot and big shot a lot of guys like that um i've heard guys tell me the number fives and that they've had great luck hunting geese using the number fives just because they have the weight retention uh to get the penetration and then using the copper coated bismuth you know they're getting the penetration and the bismuth is doing the great on the wound channel so that's a great opportunity or great uh, alternative i know uh, apex i think has still like they make the non-toxic loads but they also have great steel loads there's a lot of companies winchester federal has some great uh, rounds out there and great ammunition and i, I had an opportunity a few years ago down in arkansas uh, hunting ducks uh, um, shooting black cloud and that was really my first time shooting it and I was actually borrowing a friend's gun, his Benelli. He had the uh, the conical choke that you got to shoot special choke with the Black Cloud. But I was totally amazed. I was impressed with it. And uh, I would have shot Black Cloud any day of the week. I wouldn't have a problem with shooting that. The Winchester Supremes, I've, my favorite duck load for years in the Winchester Supremes was the number or three-inch four-shot. It's still today one of my favorite. Um, I love the four-shot. So... Looking at that, you know, if it now if I'm the guy who hunts quite a bit and who's going to shoot a lot, then I might look at, you know, like I said, Winchester Supreme, look at Apex and some of the steel loads. Heavy Shot has the heavy metal, you know, I've used that in the years and had good luck with it. Um, but I don't think you're going to go, even Winchester Drylock is worked good. And again, it's about ethical shots. And, and if my gun is patterned and my gun is set and fit, the fit is perfect. I'm telling you, you will be successful all day long shooting with that shot. Now, here's one thing I will tell you. If you are going to shoot steel, and that was the thing with me, I shot steel almost, you know, I shot lead when I was younger. We were young when lead was legal, but uh, today, you know, I shot steel for a long time, maybe 30 years, 25 years, and you get used to the steel. It's a little faster. Um, now, the one thing that people under, got to understand with steel, the high, you know, we get the Supremes, you're trying to get high velocity with steel. There's been so many studies with steel that I don't, when I'm looking at steel, I do not look at the high speed. 
I found that anything over 1,500 feet a second that I start getting a distorted patterns. And another thing they found out that in a distance, when it comes out of the gun, you know, if you're looking at 20 and 30 yards, the steel's got... that great speed up there but once past 30 yards they said when it hits 50 and 60 yards it slows down faster than regular steel shot it's just the slowdown so you're actually losing you know if you're going to be shooting at 50 yards on something you're actually losing your penetration the power behind that that uh, which we call kinetic energy that kinetic energy is, is dramatically reduced so that's one thing to consider so again there's always a balance and if you look at this, if you think of this, if, I, if I'm used to shooting something that's shooting 1,300, 1,350, 1,400 feet a second, I think Winchester Supreme might be 1,450. But, it, okay, so I'm used to shooting that, and you know that lead, you know, and I'm shooting it at, at 40 yards in the end. I know my lead and, and shooting that. Now, if you're jumping up to some of these high-velocity loads, it could be 1,700 feet a second, 1,600. You're getting up to 1,500 feet a second. How can you adjust the, the lead when, you, like I said, my lead is a certain thing at 30 and 40 yards. And when it gets out there at 50 yards and this this steel shot to, starts to drastically reduce its uh, uh, speed, then it's hard to judge. It's like throwing a knuckleball out there that you're not really sure where it's going to end because of the change. And I will say from shooting the steel for so long that when I first started shooting boss, um, great stuff, but I had a hard time. Um, I was missing a lot of birds when I first started and I didn't practice with it. I just went to the field and I thought, well, you know, and then I said, man, I should have killed that bird. I should have killed that bird. What I found out is I was shooting behind him. It is slower. I think it might be 1300 feet a second, could be 1200 feet a second. And, you know, 250 feet a second can make a big difference, um, when you're shooting 30 and 40 yards at birds and in when you're used to you know changing your lead and so i recommend whatever you're going to shoot try to shoot some trap with it you don't have to shoot you know cases of it you know take and and say that you know what i'm gonna spend the money and i'm gonna burn through a couple boxes i'm just want to shoot and shoot 10 shots a day you don't have to shoot two boxes i think that's ridiculous because you know, it's like shooting in 200 arrows a day. I think that's ridiculous because the mind and the focus and the concentration level, you know, to me, I like when I shoot my recurve, you know, and I'm shooting traditional. I always shoot with one arrow. I do the same thing with my compound. Guys say, man, don't you get tired of walking? I said, no. And I'm out in the woods. I get one shot. Now, I might shoot, you know, two to three arrows sometimes. But majority of the time when I'm shooting, I'm shooting one arrow, and that's in the realization that this is realistic. This is the real thing, and you're going to get one shot out in the woods. So what you're doing is training the mind that, you know, I'm not just here relaxing, and, and I am concentrating everything I got. And this one, this is a one-shot do-or-die. And, <clears throat> excuse me, if you get that mindset, so what I'm saying is you, when you're shooting the shotgun and I'm shooting trap, you know, if I'm going to start out and I'm shooting the heavy loads, grab you 10, 10 shells, go out there and grab 10 shells. So that I can make sure that my focus and everything I'm understanding take and take your time. And if you miss something, it's always great to have some guy behind you. And a lot of times through the wad, as the wad spreads or the wad goes, you can tell a good guy who can tell who's instructs. They can tell whether you're behind or if you're uh, in front of it. But it's good to know on that so you can make that slight adjustment. You don't want to burn through a bunch of shells and not really concentrate on each shell knowing what I'm doing wrong or what I'm doing right. 
So I, I really suggest that when you're going out there trying to get, uh, you know, trying to get something out there that uh, with your shells that you can practice with. And and it, it's so, again, it's like I was saying, you're taking, you take batting practice and practice not in a live game. And that's the same thing. You want to do all your shooting and, you know, you practice calling. You knew it practice. You know, you didn't wait till you got to the field to practice call. And you, you want it the same way with shooting with your shotgun. It's got to become your best friend. That shotgun needs to be an extension of your arm. It's like when you grab that, it's like grabbing hands and shaking hands with an old friend. You know, we are acquainted. We are one. So that's what you want to come to. So anyway... Once I'd established that um, and getting with that gun, like I said, usually I step up to a 12 gauge. I know guys who are shooting the 12 or the 20s and trying to shoot 28 gauge for for uh, geese and stuff like that, and and I think that's awesome. I think a lot of guys are doing that. Either have a lot of money or they got they got a sponsorship with, with a. It's just, but in the real world, and that's who I'm talking to. I'm talking to my brothers out there in the real world who work 40 hours a, a week and who want to support their family, but they also want to go out there and hunt with their buddies and be successful in shooting ducks and geese. Nobody likes to wound them. Nobody likes to miss. And so, so make sure that you do your practice. Have someone watch over you. I like a like I said the same thing on the with the uh, teal and if the doves on my on my goose guns I definitely like a choke that has a little bit of a wad stripper in it I like to get that wad separated especially if I'm hunting with steel because steel I need all the pellets I need to get into that bird as possible as long as I have a dense po- um, pattern and uh, that's what that wad from and, you know taking a pot I'm just picking pattern master there's plenty of good chokes out there but you know what it does it separates that shot and, and wad at the end of the barrel so that wad doesn't actually keep hanging on to that shot as it goes out there and then when the, the shot is starting to separate what it's doing it's deforming that shot in the wad in the cup and then you're almost getting a knuckleball effect as it's going out there and the what it hurts is consistency and I found when you shooting, you know, those type of chokes with the stripper, it gives me more dense pattern and more con, uh, consistent patterns. And what you're looking for when you're pattern, guys, you know, it could be someone's best uh, brand of shot, could be, you know, publicized. They spend tons of money. It's in every hunting magazine and stuff like that. But if it doesn't shoot good out of your gun, it's no good to you. You know, and it could be a, the cheapest shot. And long, it, it all depends how it partners and and with that shotgun of yours. And uh, you want to get the density. That's why the 10 gauge was so effective. I used to, my favorite gun was the Remington SB10, and I shot Federal 10 gauge. And Federals, you know, back in the day, everybody shot Federal. And today, it's still the great load. But um, the 10 gauge, which you got, you know, they say the three and a half, 12 has. Uh, 98% or 96%, whatever it is. But the problem is it don't have the density because of the bore dimension of the shotgun. And when you're wing shooting, you want density and I want a fuller pattern because I, if I'm off a little bit, I, you know, the bird is going to fly into that pattern, but it gives me a little bit more room for error if I'm a little ahead or if I'm a little behind. I try to always remember this too when you're shooting with your shot error to always be a little bit ahead and uh, you want to be just you know if the front shot misses it the back shot's going to fly into it and then you got your bird remember that when i'm hunting ducks i using the i you know i use the same gun and um i use the probably you know like i said i like the three inch fours 
if I could get a good two and three quarter for, I'd probably using that. And that's only because if I, you know, I like that stuff. And, and this year I'm kind of excited. I'm going to try some of the non-toxic in, in the six and sevens and get more of a denser pattern, especially because uh, I do a lot of field hunting on ducks. I'm kind of a little bit backwards. I like hunting ducks in the field and geese on the water. But ducks always seem to come up good and tight in the field. And, and, and it just, you know, the, the decoys stick out so much better. Um they're going to a feeding pattern and they're coming to a field. So I, I think they're easier to get it come into a, if you're in a good feed than trying to get, cause they got all kinds of body of water to go to that could easily bump you and go to the other end of the lake. So again, my 12 gauge, I shoot, I, you know, I shoot, uh, you know, I'll probably shoot the three inch. I shoot three inch last year. I shot three inch fives and three inch threes with the boss and had very good re- result. I've shot the three inch, uh, Winchester Supremes, BBs and twos for years on geese. I mean, I'd have no problem every day going out and shooting that and, and killing geese. So I'm going to probably stay with that and, and with the geese and have good luck. But with the ducks this year, I like to, I would like to get some uh, non-toxic and, like I said, increase up to the seven, eight, and nine shot. And um, you know, trying to get a little bit more denser pattern because, like I said, we do. I do a lot of pond hunting. We've got a lot in tight. And we got early in the season, depends when the migrating's on. Buddy, we get some fields out here. We'll get five, five, six, five, ten thousand ducks hitting a field and ducks moving. And you get a few days of that, but when it's good, you know, you're out there and you just want to make do what you can and make the best of the, the time that I'm there. So it's kind of covering, it's pretty plain and simple, you know, talking about your gun. Make sure, you know, let's go again, pattern the gun, fit the gun, keep the gun clean. Like I said, I'm not going to spend all this time trying to do everything right and then getting up in early in the mornings, going out there, set decoys and brushing a blind. Oh, my gosh, the hours we put in brushing blinds there to sit there and have a gun jam up because I didn't keep it clean. You know, shame on me. But they always remember that. And um, I kind of like, you know, I shoot the same guns. I might try a 20 gauge this year if I go to the non-toxic on ducks just to uh because we do a lot of in close hunting i definitely will pattern that first before i go i will shoot some trap with it to know my leads um because it's all different with this non-toxic on the speed and pattern so remember that and i'm going to cover one more thing and like i said it's been pretty simple on on the on ducks and geese and the guns and shot and it's everybody knows you know gun if you don't hit them you don't kill them but I do want to cover, because we're in this time of year, it's going to be coming up, as remember in our youth. And we're going to have a lot of youth seasons coming up all over across the country. And I've been involved in a lot of youth hunts and enjoyed it. And, and it's very special to me. I look forward to it every year because I have a passion about passing on knowledge down to the youth and, and spending time in the field. And it just feels so good because for years, I've you know, been doing this, oh my gosh, almost 50 years and probably over 50 years, and I've been doing this, and I've taken so much. The good Lord has blessed me, and you know, whether it's whitetails or whatever I've done, I've been so blessed to 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 have rewards and have taken from the land. And it's always good when I sit there and feel like I can give back. And it wasn't about my hunting for me. wasn't about 
how bad I am on Facebook and how cool I am. And, you know, because anybody can take 10, 15 guys that they, you know, and make piles of geese and pass shoot them or shoot them out there and shoot $200 worth of shells in one hunt. I mean, that's that's not what impressive and that's not the look that or the thought of what it's about the pass on to the young generation it's about tradition it's about the work it's about ethics and then it comes it's about respect for the resource that we've been given so that is a great responsibility for all of us to pass on to these young um, young kids that are coming up today, whether it's a boy or a girl, you know, to me, it's all girls can have just as much success as, as men when it comes into the, that's the cool thing, you know, sports, it's not really good to have men going into women's sports and whatever you have, but you know, when it comes, that's the cool thing about hunting. Hunting is a, a, um, non-sex related, uh, sport. I mean, it, it can be enjoyed by men and women and, like I said, I'd put my wife up to a lot of guys when it comes to hunting. She's just, you know, it does. It isn't about muscles and, and brawn muscles and everything like that. It's about coordination and brains and guts and spirit. So anyway, when we're talking about, <coughs> excuse me, when I'm talking about the youth and being an example going out there, you know, there's a lot of pressure. They don't know what's going to go on. Their heart is going to be pounding. They're going to experience probably something different with excitement that they never had before. And that's what you want. You want them to feel like their heart was in their throat, their heart's pounding, you know, and when that shell goes off and the first bird they drop, I've never seen so many kids smiles and eyes just brighten right up from shooting their first bird and then that day on you know they're talking about getting a call and they're talking about you know what do I do how do I start learning and and you just we just brought another one on board and you know praise God that's what we're here for and um, I love that so try to remember that and I do have there's a lot of good guys out there who spend their time and money taking youth and other youth to hunt and God bless them but remember this year as we're taking the youth out always remember number one is about safety and everything that you do kids are inquisitive everything that you do is you're setting up and and trying to get ready explain to them what you're doing kids love education everybody wants to learn and let them be part of it let them help set the decoys and as they set them explain explain why we're doing why we're doing this because of the wind and what the wind factors in on this hunt and they start understanding learning that and what you're wanting to do is you're trying to create an intern who could grow up and be a journeyman and be the journeyman in the hunting industry. Then he's passing on to his kids and the kids after that. And that's how life works. That's how the United States always has been. We've always been a solid country that's passed down our traditions, uh, you know, from the old to the young. And uh, so always remember, let them be part of that hunt. And the next thing I always always that we've done and my friends and when we've done the youth hunts you know um let them give them good shot opportunities give them you know make sure that they have that the shots they get there's nothing wrong with birds sitting on the water and they want to arkansas their first bird let them arkansas them you know put the bird in the bag and um you know i don't see anything wrong with that with with a youngin and um let them just try to give them success and let them feel that success. And, and here's another thing. when you If it's during the year and we happen to take young kids out for their first hunt or the first time hunter or taking a woman out hunting for her first time and stuff like this, again, we're about wanting to have success. We, we want them to be successful. 
So I would, 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 would really like to relay to you out there, let the kid or let the woman, let that first hunter have the first shot. I've hunted with a lot of guys and, you know, especially when they they think they're hunting with me and then hunting with, you know, you're hunting with six or eight guys who, oh man, Lynch is here today. And, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to show them I'm a dog. I want to show them how good I am. And a lot of times when, when you say kill them, it's like the gunfight at OK Corral. Everybody's coming up, bam, 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 bam. And it's like, holy crap. Did anybody call it? You know, it's, it's how many I can shoot to beat the other guy. And just remember then that's cool if that's what you and your group do and and everything like that's why i like hunting in small groups but when you're hunting with kids and first time hunters guys let them have the first shot we you know act like you've killed a bird before you know let these birds come in let them you know call them in give these kids the opportunity and if they miss don't rag them if you miss tell them hey we'll get them on the next one we want to keep it positive here but like i said uh you know, you, if you can imagine, uh, you know, here's a kid who's really, he doesn't want to look bad in front of everybody or he doesn't really know what he's doing. He's sitting there and all of a sudden, you know, he's never come up and shouldered on a bird. And then you tell him, okay, the birds come in and everybody jumps and, and, and starts shooting off the firing line. And the kid sits there and he hasn't even got the gun shouldered. What you're creating is a habit where he's just going to start flinging the gun up and pointing and shooting and just shooting uh, shells in the air and I think everybody needs to slow down a lot of people need to slow down in their shooting it's not a race it's all about ethics it's all about precision and you know what I can take my time and get three shots off and probably have three birds dead as you shot three shots at the time my second shot and but you have plenty of time you know is think about what we're doing so you know remember putting safety first Put the kid out there. Let him have the first shot. You got to get enjoyment out there. Let him enjoy it. And I'll guarantee you're going to have another hunting partner for life. We're going to carry on the tradition, you know. And uh, we're going to have people that hopefully when we get old and can't get out there who start taking us. So I appreciate you listening this week. Like I said, uh, it's basically we're just covering over the basics there with talking about shotgunning with ducks and geese and patterns and shotgun shells. But I also wanted to get in there because we're definitely getting into the youth season coming up here close. And we're going to be setting up. And and remember, we are setting examples. And try to remember that when you're out there. You know, kind of keep the language from being so coarse and... um, just show the respect. If we teach the kids how to respect the land, they're going to respect us when they get older. And that's what it's all about, guys. It's just passing on the tradition. So, well, I hope you enjoyed it. If any of you guys have a question, you can reach out, get a hold of me at George Lynch Hunter on Instagram and Facebook. Um, like I said, you could follow us along. We're on nine different platforms. Um, you can see it's probably on the website. But uh, I truly enjoyed bringing it to you. I hope you enjoyed listening as much as I get the chance and blessed to be able to talk to you. But always remember, hunt safe, hunt smart, and may the good Lord be your guide. Take care, folks. Well, I'll be out there, rain shining, all a part of the great design. Bring it on, I can never get enough. Because that's what... Legends are made of